Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at BetOnline.ag. The NBA is right around the corner, and right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play. And BetOnline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com and Bleacher Report, Preston Ellis. Today, we are going to talk Zion. We're going to talk some regular season awards. Uh, To help us, we've got the Zoom master himself uh, setting sail for the land of Ohio soon, I think. Mr. Ali Cosell, are you going to Ohio tomorrow? No, not tomorrow, but sometime this week for sure. I haven't seen my folks in forever, not since the pandemic hit. And with my dad's health problems over the year, I've tried to go up there at least you know, not to have it be as long as like, say, two months or more without seeing them. So I'm due, man. I'm looking forward to that drive, man. It's like 800 miles one way. Oh, man. Like, uh, I don't know, 12 hour drive, something like that. That's brutal. Make sure you get there before the scrimmage, though. Yeah, exactly. At least I'll have something to look forward to, right? All right. Let's go over to the man with a brand new podcast. But you know the name. Uh, He always goes hard in the paint. Mr. David Greb. What's up, dude? Ah, good first week. Good looking forward to week number two. So, uh, yeah, all is well right now. Nice. All right. Uh, Mr. Kevin Berrios has also been busy, uh, but tonight he is playing the role of nurse. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I've been a nurse since yesterday. Uh, My girlfriend had some dental surgery, so I got to stay on her routine for her meds and, you know, feeding her soft foods and stuff like that. But she's a she's a good patient, so it's easy. (laughs) That's good to hear. Just to share a little personal anecdote about myself. My wife is in uh, Tampa right now or close to Tampa because I had a cough. So we both got tested for COVID and she refuses to be near me or the baby near me. So I've been kind of like a bachelor for the past four days while I'm waiting for my results to get back. Uh, It doesn't seem like and and we talked uh, off air or I guess uh, Grub and I texted about this. I could wait as long as seven to 10 days. So uh, Man, it would be nice if these uh, results could get back a little bit faster. But let's go ahead and transition. So, Preston, just yes. so technically, you could either be, if you were positive, you might be negative by the time it's over. Or if you were negative, you could be positive. I mean, Isn't that so funny? I could be positive right now, and nobody would know it. But if you did no testing, 
<laughs> That's where I was going to go. <laughs> I never would have gotten sick if I hadn't gotten tested. Uh, no. Uh, let's talk about somebody else who's getting tested uh, on its own dime oh, or somehow provided. Uh, Mr. Zion Williamson uh, went home. And of course, uh, there were some curious articles on The Athletic kind of uh, combining that story along with some leg cramps that uh, hampered him in practice. Howard, the story, I don't want to make the story about Zion because honestly, we don't have any information about that. And I feel like it's ridiculous of us to speculate. So let's talk about the real story, Ali, is what are the Pelicans going to do without him in the lineup? Well, we saw what they kind of did right this season. They didn't have him for 44 games. Uh, and for most people, I think all they're going to remember is that 13-game losing streak. But you know what? They played their best ball right before Zion came back, between December 18th and January 21st. And, you know, shout out to Elliot. He highlighted that in his article about Brandon Ingram. But most people don't know that. They went 11-5 in that stretch. And honestly, they were playing even well in clutch time. So the thought is they should have enough weapons. If everybody's healthy... And the big key is, I think it'll be Derek Favors, right? I mean, I know we can say Lonzo, B.I., or Drew, but really, if they don't have Derek Favors healthy and ready to go, then they're going to be sunk, like we saw in those first, whatever, 28 games. But if he's, you know, feeling good, if not even better than when we saw him last, then, you know, they're going to be fine, honestly. But it's going to be up to Alvin. And he doesn't seem to want to, and I'm curious to get, David, your uh, vibe and feelings on all this, but I'm, I'm sort of getting the idea that, they don't they're definitely not ruling Zion get coming back in time for that first game. So, you know, Alvin's been kind of reluctant to answer questions, for instance, regarding what changes do you make with the offense, defense, rotations, stuff like that. He's not leaning anywhere because he honestly, I feel like a big part of him thinks Zion may be back in time. All right. Yeah. Well, let me sorry, go ahead, Grub. Yeah, I think that is the anticipation is that he's gonna be back. Um, but to me, you know, the the subplot of that is is like Ali said. You know, and, and Zion missed one game during the stretch when he came back, too. So it was 12 and five overall without him in their last 17. And they played really good basketball. And like, I absolutely agree with Ollie that the whole key is whether or not Favors can put up 30 minutes. Because if he can play 30 minutes and you can still defend, points aren't going to be the problem. So that's what it always was with this team is could they, when Zion was not around, could they protect the rim? Could, you know, you see Jackson Hayes rebounding. Could you see Jaleel Okafor rebounding? And if those things are mitigated, you're not going to replace again. We know you're not going to replace Zion, but we've seen if they can defend, the Pelicans can play with anybody. Yeah, I'm going to push this over to Kevin. Uh, that That's the biggest spot for me is what do you do with Brandon Ingram? Uh, he spoke either today or yesterday with reporters and said that he's comfortable playing any anywhere. And I wrote in my article today that he grades out in the 90th percentile in terms of defensive uh, versatility. He guards anywhere from two through five. But when he's in that possession, the, the Pelicans struggle defensively. So who are you supplementing in that Zion spot? Are you moving Ingram to four? Are you spelling him with a little Josh Hart who can switch between two and four? What's your plan of action there, Kevin? I think I would start Melly at the at the four and have uh, Ingram stay at the three and you know favors at the five and, and go that way. So you have a good rim protector. You have a little bit of floor space, more floor spacing perhaps. And then you know I like Josh Hart as the super sub. Um, so that's what I would do. I don't know um, what do you guys think about that. No, I agree with you. When we saw Melly, what he started about three games. I want to say for Alvin. And uh, this was, I want to say, before he started playing really well. So we got the bad version of Nicolo, unfortunately, for like the first two and a half, three months of the season. And it wasn't until around, I feel like, the new year that he started, like, finding his shot. And, of course, he started moving better. 
And he did. He wasn't a liability. I mean, let's face it. Defensively, he was just as awesome. We've seen Zion at times, and you know some of the rookies like Jackson Hayes. But I felt like he found his niche off the bench. And I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice, especially if Zion's not back. If you're starting Melly along with Favors, and who are you going to be relying on for those minutes behind those guys? I mean, your choices are what between Kenrich, Jackson, and Julio Okafor. Who you know, given the right circumstances, they can shine. But we saw plenty of instances unfortunately, to where these guys aren't ready to play consistent minutes on this Alvin Gentry team. Yeah, I like Mel- Oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, No, no, it's okay. Go for it. Uh, I said I like Melly in that spot too. Um, you know, I remember, I, I think I wrote when the 11 things that you should know about the Pelicans as part of it mm-hmm. was that uh, Melly, during those last 22 games of the regular season before, you know, that's when most of his double-figure games came. Uh, I think he had 11 of his 15 double-figure scoring games during that stretch. And so he was more confident. He still needs to rebound better. I mean, four boards a game just was not going to do it. But still, I think now the the way that the defensive rotations are, I think he can be a more effective rebounder. I think he has proven to be a bit more aggressive down the stretch. Um, But if he can get those rebounds up above five or six, um, if he's going to start any games while Zion's out, then, then I think, you know, 10 and 6 a night is not something to that's beyond the realm of, of possibility for him. All right, I'm going to swing back to Kevin first. I'm going to give you guys a B-ball index stat. Uh, I, I like Melly in this spot. I think the Pelicans might be a bit slower uh, out, of the, out of the gates. But when you put him on the bench with Zion Williamson, of course, that spaces the floor for Zion. It allows them to be electric on offense. But defensively, he, he grades out as a, a zero percentile in rim deterrence. Uh, there's, there's no rim protection with he and Zion sharing that four or five responsibility. So this will be an interesting change. But Kevin, if you put Nicolo Melly into the starting lineup, all of a sudden you've got that big game gaping hole uh, off the bench who's going to be supplemented next to Zion. So you're you're either going to have to give Brandon Ingram more minutes. You're going to have to move Josh Hart to that four position. You're going to have to give some minutes to either Jaleel Okafor, Kenrich Williams, Jackson Hayes. What is your thought process there in replacing Nicolo Melli's minutes? Well, I think, you know, you're going to play Ingram some at the four with, with uh, Josh Hart at the three or, you know, whatever flip-flop those two those two will be your two forwards however you want to call them the three or the four at some for some uh stretches of time i think you're going to see obviously you're going to see jackson hayes we've seen that throughout the season that he's uh most often the you know the backup true center that that we use um i don't know i mean i i I guess they might try to give kenrick some more run but i i don't know i just don't i i don't see it with them um and if he can't hit a shot, then he's then he's hopeless. So I, I think that's really what you're going to see is I think you're going to see a lot of minutes where um, Brandon Ingram's at the four or, you know, double forwards with, with Hart and then Jackson Hayes filling in the center role when Favors is out. Favors is going to have to play more minutes. You might see some spot to look before here and there. Hopefully not too much, but um I think that's the way to go. I think you'll see Jaleel more than you'll see Kenrick though, because I just think Kenrick is such a liability offensively and doesn't, doesn't give you rim protection either. Really the only person in these lineups we're talking about that gives rim protection is Derek Favors. So it's going to be crucial that he is uh, playing about 30 minutes a game. And Jackson Hayes at least sometimes can be an intimidator because he is a shot blocker, um, even though he's not a great rim defender because he's not, you know, his, he doesn't understand uh, big man defense yet, but he has that athleticism and he does block shots. So he does provide a little bit of intimidation. So 
hopefully those two are playing the center position more often than anybody else. Yeah, it's interesting that they didn't uh, look for more rim protection uh, as they headed to the Disney campus instead uh, opting for Sundarius Thornwell. Uh, let's go over to Ali because we could be talking ourselves in circles. Like you said, mm-hmm. uh, Alvin Gentry might expect uh, Zion back before we get to those regular seeding games. Uh, so in terms of the scrimmages, Gentry said he's going to play his typical rotations. However, they're going to play fewer minutes. So we're going to get to see everybody else kind of assume those extra bonus minutes. Is there anyone who performs really well in these three scrimmages that you think can possibly Possibly earn themselves more time once we get to the real games. No, because I think that's tough. You've already got Josh Hart and JJ Reddick coming off the bench for you know to basically supplement your starting guards. So I think Ingram's going to play a lot more four than we expect, especially if Zion's gone and Alvin's just going to go smaller. You know, even when Zion's back, I don't know if you guys checked out Zach Lowe's article, but he noticed I think it was about forty-eight minutes when Zion was at the five. The Pelicans outscored the competition by around 16 points. And even though, yeah, we know the defense was a little bit shoddy, it was just the fact that the offense was so unstoppable. You had five guys out there who Zach commented that it doesn't even matter what combination he kind of put out there with Zion because a lot of all the smalls on the Pelicans, even down to each one more, can make a move, make a shot, et cetera, get their own shot kind of when they're like a secondary or a third ball handler. So you know, I, I'm expecting Alvin to go small. So even though it would be nice to see, say, Kenrich, we've been hearing is having been having a good, you know, practice sessions. Jaws never supposedly been even as fit, you know, physically. So you have to think maybe his mobility's ticked up a notch. But I still think even all these feel-good potential scenarios aren't as likely to happen as Alvin just going small. I want to get in there uh, before I turn it over to Grubb, because I actually wrote about this uh, before the season ended. Uh, when Zion's at the four, the Pelicans are 9.2 points better than their competition uh, per 100 possessions. That ranks in the 91st percentile. When he's at the five, they're 21.9 points better than their competition per 100 possessions. Uh, wow, and that's that, That's just, it just jumps right off the roster. It's 100 percentile, but he only played 10% of its minutes there. So let's go over to Grubb. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, we've got Reddick, we've got Hart, we've got Melly coming off the bench. Uh, when you're looking at that ninth and 10th spot, should Gentry need to utilize those positions? Who are you looking to to really jump off the page uh, during these scrimmages and really take those uh, minutes by by, I don't know, by storm? I mean, the guy who has the most to gain is Zylan Cheatham. That's the guy who has the, if he really wants it, the opportunity is there for him to take some minutes because he's a little bit longer. He's a little bit bigger than Kenrich is. Um, so if you want somebody in that same physical range, six seven, six eight, who can go between the three and four, if Cheatham wants that, if he wants to play and he and he comes out because the, the practice video we saw, it's like him constantly getting burned. But we don't know. <laughs> right. I'm glad you uh, mentioned that because I was I about have, to. Because <laughs> I have no idea, but I have no idea if that's him on a consistent basis because we haven't gotten to talk to him and we nobody's asked about him. But um that would probably be my question tomorrow is um what kind of situation is he gonna see in these games? Because he has the ability. We've seen him get double doubles in the G League. So if that's what you want, is somebody who can take care of that physical job and not let BI get beat up, which is something that he talked about the other day and something that um, mm-hmm. Alvin talked about as well, then I think physically Cheatham fits the pro- profile the best. But I-, I just don't know where he is right now. 
I'm going to interrupt this broadcast for a moment. Uh, I just got my coronavirus test in. Uh, I, I want you guys to guess. I've had a cough for about two and a half weeks. My negative. wife had a fever. Yeah, it's negative. <laughs> you wouldn't be so cavalier. <laughs> I know. Like, you exactly. <laughs> the podcast exactly. is just over. Where did Preston go? <laughs> just crying in a corner. Okay. I can't remember who we were uh, on next. I think we're going to go over to Kevin uh, and we're just going to follow the same train of thought and then we'll get over to Brandon Ingram. Uh, do you think anybody is going to going to you know seize these ninth 10 spots or do you think gentry is just going to roll with eight throughout these eight games i go i'm a little uh come from a different train of thought than the other two guys i i think etwan's the guy that could really grab some minutes here just if he's knocking down shots and, mm-hmm. and if he's driving and creating with his uh with some penetration in his floaters if he's playmaking a little bit better um i think he's a guy that he's a veteran the players like him gentry likes him gentry is always going to go offense over defense um so i and you know we talk about going small um and etwan's you know spent all last year uh garden threes you know so like i think you could see him uh earn some minutes in this rotation i always thought he was going to play a factor in in these uh in this orlando bubble because of his veteran presence and because of his ability to knock down shots so i think he's a guy that could really see some minutes yeah, I still want Kenrich Williams to get some of those minutes just to irritate David Grubb. <laughs> I really, I really uh, get excited in the Bird Rights group whenever they, there are some guys who are more out on other guys than others. And whenever those players get to shine or something, it just causes yeah. so much disruption in that group. And it really just makes my day. Uh, let's get over to so, some regular. So real quick, Preston, should we talk about Frank Jackson or? <laughs> <laughs> we could spend the whole hour on Frank Jackson. No, no, Jackson. I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so because Shan- we're going to hit on everybody's, right? Jaleel for Kevin. Frank, for you. Never mind. <laughs> uh, let's get over to regular season awards. Shams uh, Charania uh, reported uh, from the bubble uh, that actually Joe Varden's in the bubble right now. Shams is tagging in 45 days in. Anyway, he reported that we're going to go ahead and do the regular season awards before the eight games because it's not fair to the eight teams who are not going to be there, who also aren't in contention for any of these awards, I would imagine. But uh, one of the ones that the Pelicans uh, probably can push forward the most, and we'll talk about the other ones, is Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, 24 points, six points. Point three rebounds, four point or yeah, six six point three rebounds, four point three assists. I think that's it. Uh, shot thirty eight point seven percent from three on six point three attempts. Uh, had an all star year. Uh, Ali, do you think he's the favorite? Who do you think is his biggest source of competition? Mm, that's a good question. But let's first talk about Brandon because I think we should tell people exactly why he should win, right? And you laid it out in your article. So why don't you go there and then I'm going to jump back and add a few things that I found. And then we can talk about, you know, the competition. Can I talk about the competition? I'll do the competition. Yeah, actually, then David will talk about the competition. But Preston, describe your article and what you found, why he should be, you know, a front runner. Oh, sure. Uh, just based on the numbers, uh, nobody in their first four years has ever done the numbers that he's done uh, in addition to the three-point shooting. And and what are we talking about here? We're not talking about the best player. We're not talking about the best young player. We're talking about the guy who improved the most. We know that Jason Tatum had a great year. Uh, however, he was great last year in the playoffs. We saw him two years ago, really stood out, scored over 20 points a game. But Brandon Ingram went from 18 points to 24 points. Uh, Jason Tatum also made a leap from 15 to 23. But just in terms of what he had to do for the Pelicans, while 81 games were missed to Zion, to Derek Favors, to Drew Holiday, to Lonzo Ball, who was out of the lineup for a large portion of late November, early December. He really had to shoulder the load. His usage rate went up, I think, 5%, up to 28.3, somewhere in that neighborhood. So what he was asked to do and how he delivered and how he improved, just looking at a shot chart, he never made more than one uh, three-point field goal 
per game in his first three seasons. This year, I think it was somewhere around 2.5. So just a monstrous leap in that regard. And defensively, while he is a liability, think about what he was asked to do. With Zion out of the lineup for about 45 games, he grades out in the 90th percentile in terms of what he had to do defensively on possession to possession. He went anywhere from two to five. It, it wasn't his strong suit, and I think that's why we, we poke holes at, at him defensively. But when you're asked to do that at his size, at his physicality, I think you can really kind of uh, almost applaud him for being versatile, for for going with the flow. But let's talk about where he really shines is just offensively. And in terms of what he was able to do, uh, 11 games of 30 points or more. I think he was one of 12 players to score 49 points in a game. Uh, that game against Rudy Cor- uh, Gobert really sealed it for him, really sealed that all-star campaign. I just think there's Bam Adebayo's in that conversation. I don't think you can really put Pascal Siakam and Luka Doncic in that conversation because they were already all-star level players. Mm-hmm. Just last year, Brandon Ingram was a trade ship. He was like almost an afterthought. He was combined with Lonzo Ball. We thought he might never play again. Just in terms of where his journey went from February of last year to now, nobody made a bigger leap. And Grub, it's your turn, sir. Okay, well, right. I, I just had to make sure. I didn't know if you're just catching a breath because you were rolling. <laughs> That's how you know he doesn't have corona. He doesn't have to stop for breath. Oh, God. No. Here we go. Uh, we're cutting that out. <laughs> now I'm so, curious to see what David's got to say. Who's your front runner, Dave? Well, I think to me it comes down to two people, and that's um, Brandon Ingram and Jason Tatum. Those are the two who really? I think. No Bam out of Bayou, but go ahead. Wow. This is why I'm out on Bam. And, and I, you know, so I broke – there's six guys that I looked at. Okay, so it's Bam, Jalen Brown, Devontae Graham, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, and Jason Tatum. Okay, so the first one I had to get rid of was Devontae Graham because dude shooting less than 40%. So that, that, that he's gone right there. He's not efficient enough for me. Out of bio, the biggest thing about him is his stats went up because his minutes went up. He went up, he plays 11 more minutes this this season than he did last season per game. And so you don't see this huge uptick in necessarily ability. What you saw was an uptick in opportunity to me. And that is not necessarily the, the measurement of improvement. He could, I mean, if you're a good player and you just didn't get minutes and the hole opened up because the sound white side is now in Portland. And so you're getting those minutes and you're also not being asked to carry that team because it's Jimmy Butler's team. And they also added on a Duncan Robinson, who you could also say improved a hell of a lot from last year to this year. You also, you add in the Tyler Harrow who played really well um, for the heat and, and the heat are also a playoff team. So Adebayo walked into a situation where he was not being the same demands of him are not being made of some of these other guys. So Graham, bam, out. So now you go to Siakam. I'm like Preston. I agree with that, that, you know, there were, again, the shots and the minutes really became more available because of the absence of Kawhi Leonard. So, and you give, uh, you also give Siakam Fred Van Vliet as a guard who would have already proven himself. Kyle Lowry, who's already proven himself. OG Adenubi, you still had, you know, the veterans around him. So it wasn't like he was put in a situation where he, again, just because he rose to an opportunity, the pressure was not on his shoulders. So to me, it comes down to Tatum, who had like the incredible last 15 or so games. But ultimately, I get I like Ingram in that spot because Ingram finishes everywhere, no matter amongst that group, just about everywhere. He's in the top two or three on every offensive category. And the only place where you can really knock him is in assists 
I mean, well, excuse me, rebounding and his defense. And I think his defense, again, like Preston said, I absolutely agree, was impacted by the fact that, A, he didn't come into camp feeling himself. B, he's asked to play power forward a ton, which is not his strong suit. And Mm -hmm. C, just the lack of other defenders around him early. The Pelicans were so bad as a group defensively. Remember the whole conversation about them being the quietest team, Lonzo not being able to Mm -hmm. stop people up top. The fact that they hadn't gotten a consistency out of Josh Hart yet as a defender. And, of course, not having Derek Favors as a rim protector. Nobody was asked to do more. And looking around them had less to do it with, essentially, than what Brandon Ingram had to do and stepped up and became an all-star in that void. And then, as uh, like you said, did it so efficiently. So, I mean, to me, it comes down to Tatum and, and Ingram. I think you give it to Ingram because, like you said, we've seen flashes from Tatum where you expected him to be a superstar. You didn't know if Ingram was ever going to be a player, let alone a star. And he now you're, he's in that, um, that group of wings that you think could be elite in this league for the next five to seven years. Oh, God. Those are the screams I used to make when I'd cut myself shaving, you know where. But that was before Manscaped. Thanks, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Look, who here doesn't get nervous about grooming their man parts? And that's why Manscaped created the Lawnmower 3.0, beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your family jewels. So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 has changed their lives. They even included pics so I could see the smoothness for myself. And they aren't kidding. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at betonline.ag. The NBA is right around the corner, and right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play. And BetOnline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. And I want to follow up on Bam before we get over to Kevin. Uh, I, I do, I do think that Brandon Ingram could be impacted by their twenty-eight and thirty-six win-loss record. The Miami Heat. Uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but just in terms of uh, the obstacles that Ingram had to overcome in terms of uh, health with himself and his own roster, the Heat were healthy this year. Uh, other mm-hmm. than uh, Tyler Harrow, who missed, I think, like 17 or 18 games, everybody played 55 games or more. So they weren't facing the same obstacles the Pelicans were. Kevin, uh, how viable do you think Ingram's campaign is for this award? Do you think he's a runaway, or do you think that win-loss record will really impact the standings? My thing with this now, like, I'm going to preface this by saying I'll be ecstatic if, if Ingram wins. I, I want him to win. I love Ingram. I love, you know, I love the fact that he's on our team. But for me, when it comes down to most important—I mean, most improved player awards—I have trouble giving it to a guy who is picked in the first three picks in the draft because I feel like the numbers that he's putting up is what you expect out of a guy that you draft in the first three picks of a draft, and he was picked second. Um, and this is not this is not just signed uh, on an individual basis to just Ingram. I mean, this is how I feel about the award in in general. I think it's for guys who don't have that expectation that you don't think are going to become a superstar um, that do become a breakthrough star. And uh, so for me, like if I wasn't attached to this team, um, 
I wouldn't vote for him. Although I understand why you guys vote for him. I don't feel that strongly enough to like criticize you for the, what you, what, everything you said about his, his improvement is right. He definitely improved drastically from the year before, but I feel like that should be the expectation for that a guy picked so high with that pedigree. Um, so for me, I would pick Bam because he's a 14th pick. I think his defensive versatility um, is very key to what Miami does. I understand also what Grubb said about more minutes equals more opportunity. That's totally true. I agree with all of that. But I think when you're talking about a top three pick, getting it, for me, it has to be a guy who like sort of flames out and admits his game and comes back or has major health issues, is gone for a while and comes back or, you know, or is like tails off a little bit towards the end of his career that has some other resurgence as he reinvents his game, something like that. But I feel like, you know, we, ex- we should have expected Brandon Ingram to become an all-star at some point in his career to be putting up 20 plus points a game in his career because of where he was drafted and because of the pedigree he had coming into the, to the league. So that being said, I hope he wins and I'll be ecstatic when he does, but, that's how I feel about that award. I don't think it's for guys that are picked in the top three. If I may, if I may. Of course. Now, this is not the same draft as it used to be. And like uh, a top three pick now is, is a guess as much as it would be in, as a, a 10 or a 15 at this point in the NBA. And, and when you look at the players who have won the award, there are a lot of, of highly touted guys who have that award. A lot of guys who came out. Kevin Love has the award. You know, Danny Granger mm-hmm. was a high pick. Zach Randolph. Oladipo. Tracy McGrady has one. You know what I mean? So it's like there. Jimmy Butler has one. CJ McCollum has one. Giannis. You know, so they're like, I think that, you know, for Ingram, it wasn't just that he was picked high, but he had disappointed. And his game was so unrefined compared to it. I think that that, and again, I'm separating this too, because I'm, I'm, I try not to be emotional about these things at all. But out of bio, again, Kendrick Nunn got to carry that team for the first month of the season. Then Jimmy Butler. Then you get Duncan Robinson gets hot. You've got Kelly Olynyk. You've got Myers Leonard. You've got Tyler Harrow. You've got all these players around him to make it so much easier for him in that situation. I think that, again, like if, if his minutes had been the same as they were last year, would his numbers be that much different? And Ingram's well, minutes my- are basically the same. Yeah, David, here's my thing without a buy. What's his best thing? What's what's his best, you know, obvious skill out there? It's defense, right? And what usually happens with defensive player of the year type award type of players? They're usually just categorized and kept to, you know, defensive related re- awards. So I don't see the most improved for him, even though, yeah, his numbers went up and yeah, he, he does some decent playmaking, but he still really only scores at the rim. He's a high turnover guy. If you're going to entrust him as a one or two option, I'm sorry, but I don't think your offense is going to be that successful. So I truly think that he shouldn't win. And my thinking on the whole most improved and why I would honestly go with Ingram is the whole NBA is geared towards what nowadays, especially the rules. It's offense. I mean, just look at the list of MVP players that have won the award recently and tell ask, tell me about how great their defense is. Okay, skip over Giannis, who won it last year, but before that, James Harden before that, Russell Westbrook before that, Curry. Any of those guys even considered average defenders? No. So that's usually been the knock with Ingram. So for me, I'm eliminating that right off the bat. And I know I'm talking about most improved, uh, or I'm talking about MVP instead of most improved, but I'm getting at is that where, like I said, is the emphasis nowadays 
by fans, by a lot of media. And I think it's on offense. And Preston laid out a good reason why it should be Brandon. He's done something that no other player on the wing um, has done in his first four years. Or what was it, Preston? One of the select few to have ever done it, right? Uh, nobody else has ever done his points, rebounds, and assists while shooting over 35% from three-point range. Uh, Tracy McGrady shot 35.5%. He came closest. Yes, and here's a stat that I pulled up when I was screwing around. 24 points per game was my bar. You have to have a true shooting percentage of 59% or higher. You have to attempt at least six threes a game. And you have to have an assist percentage of 15%. Here's the six names that have done that this year. James Harden, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyrie Irving, and Brandon Ingram. So to me, that, that's, those are all studs. Those are all stars. And if Brandon Ingram, who was basically still considered a bust in the middle of last year to where he is now and what he's done offensively, to me, he's the winner. I give it to him for the reasons said. Uh, and also, just in terms of history, uh, they love scoring with this award. Uh, the lowest scoring person to ever get the award was Ryan Anderson. That was 16.1 points per game. But uh, typically, I'm trying to scan through this article I wrote for Bleacher Report. Typically, they average uh, more than 19 points per game. So I think that's going to eliminate BAM uh, for some of the reasons that you mentioned. Uh, I-, I think that Brandon Ingram's got a real great shot at this. But let's go to some other awards. Ali just spoke, so we'll go to David Grubb. Uh, of course, the two that come to mind for me, although I can see how you could possibly make an argument for Alvin Gentry, but I don't think we're going to do that is executive of the year and drew holiday for the all defensive team. I'll start with executive for you, Grub. Um, I, I, I know what he did with the Lakers trade, uh, the Zion deal, the DD deal. Uh, but, but we forget that he was able to get off Solomon Hill's contract, get JJ Redick. And then he was able to acquire Derek favors for two late second round picks. Do you think Griff has a shot at this? Absolutely. Because I think, you know, you look at what the other teams that you'd say made major changes in the offseason. I mean, I think there's only really two teams that you would say overhauled their teams and, and, and did a great job. So you'd say you'd give Toronto a lot of credit for, re, you know, rebuilding basically without Kawhi and still maintaining a championship level roster for what they did in the offseason. And then you look at, at Memphis and what they did in the offseason – um, to compliment, I mean, I think they had a fantastic draft. Uh, but I think David Griffin, as much as he did in the offseason, his best move really was not going and panicking during the regular season. Like that to me, him not deciding to rush anything with the roster and say, well, let's go for this or, you know, let's pull the trigger on this right now instead of finding out what these guys really are. I think that was as good a move as everything that he did in the offseason, which just kind of played perfectly into I mean the Pelicans probably have the best rebuild after trading away your star player that any team has gotten ever ever at this point I I can't think of another player and with that position that you traded away and what you got back ultimately looks like right now far better than what you gave away Uh, and that says a lot considering this guy's been a perennial MVP candidate right for at least four or five years so yeah I agree David one thing I think we also got to point out that Griff held off on, of course, is you remember Drew and how much he was struggling at the start of the year and how coming up to the trade deadline, people are ready to trade him for anything, the best that they could get. You remember that? And the good mm-hmm. thing he held off because Drew got better. And suddenly this team, when they were all together healthy, they looked like gangbusters. So I, I, I got to mention that because I think that was 
very important for Griff not to move Holiday for anything. Uh, I just want to get in there real quick about most improved. Uh, a center has not won the award uh, in the past 14 seasons. The last one to win it was <laughs> Boris Diaw. Uh, sorry, I've been holding Brandon on Brandon Ingram is going to hire you as an agent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then before that, it was what, George Murison? And I don't really consider Diaw. I don't think anybody really considered Diaw ever a center. Yeah, no, playing center is not sexy, yeah. you guys. Nobody cares about centers. I'm just kidding. We love you, Derek Favors. Uh, Kevin, over to you. Uh, obviously, we got Sam Presti, who I think has the Thunder yeah. as like a fifth seed right now. Uh, held on to Chris Paul. Held on to Danilo Gallinari. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander exploded. Uh, he was able to get that in the deal, as well as like 47 other first-round picks. Got off the Russell Westbrook deal. Got off Paul George, who could be a long-term injury concern. Uh, who is your pick for executive of the year? Yeah, I mean... I would honestly, maybe I didn't get enough sleep last night, but I, I wouldn't consider David Griffin for this award. I mean, I, I'm not saying that I don't think he did a good job. I mean, obviously, I think mm-hmm. the return he got for Anthony Davis was incredible. I just think, you know, we're we're fighting for a playoff spot. You know, we mm-hmm. don't have a playoff spot locked up, and they have these other teams that did reconstruction that are, you know, solidified in the playoffs. Um, so uh, I'm not going to give it to him. And especially, like, you look at, Outside of Zion, which was a given, the rest of the rookie class, while I still have a lot of hope for them, I think they're good. They didn't really offer a lot uh, of contribution. And we saw, like, key things that needed to be fixed, like room protection when Favors was out. We didn't have anybody to come in. So there was, like, a lot of problems. And, you know, I don't think it's fair to say he didn't do a good job. I mean, it's it's a process. It's gonna, he, had, he overturned an entire roster. And I think he's going to, like, next season – we're going to be rolling no problem and i think he's going to fix a lot of things but i'm not ready to give him an executive of the year award for w- what happened this year i think you look at the i think the thunder are a great uh example of of what um of a team that that's right in the mix they made they unloaded some people they took on a bad contract but they got a bunch of future assets and the guy that was considered a bad contract became you know a prominent figure for them that really set the tone for that team and that team really could possibly challenge uh you know, be one of the top three teams in the West in the playoffs because of the veteran presence they have. Chris Paul, their three-point uh, guard lineup is incredible. Gallinari is is a solid player. They kept him around. They didn't flip him at the deadline. And then Stephen Adams will provide a lot of problems for the Clippers if they play uh, the Clippers because the Clippers are, are small up front. Um, so I think he deserves some credit. Obviously, uh, the Clippers get into superstars in the offseason – um, and keeping a lot of their key role players around. And then, you know, the Lakers having uh, LeBron and AD together um, and having the number one seed in the West uh, after what they had last season um, is something to, to be considered. I don't know who I would pick. I would maybe go with the Thunder just because I'm more of an underdog guy uh, than those two top guys, uh, those two top teams in L.A. Um, but, I mean, I like what the Thunder did. I mean, I think you can even look at the Mavericks. I mean, even though w- – their move to get Porzingis going back was uh, from last season, but, you know, it's kind of about what they built towards this season and where they're at, I think is uh, impressive too. But uh, I, I think I would choose Sam Presti. All right. Let's go I ahead. I love and that get... pick. I love I that like pick. Presti. Yeah. I, I, I just forgot. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but yeah, I like Presti a lot there. Yeah, hey, also... get this guys, the Oklahoma city thunder since Thanksgiving day. Third best winning percentage in the league, thirty-four and I mean, thirteen. Only the Lakers and the Bucks play better. And I think for somebody who doesn't like Chris Paul, like I think like he was so important to that team, you know. And I, I think like 
that move and the move to get all those future assets that they can exactly make, you know to get they're winning now the combination of talent plus the future yeah. assets right yeah, they're, they're doing what the Pelicans wanted to do win now and have future assets and they're mm-hmm. they're really winning now you know mm-hmm. they had a better veteran base to build from but you're but overall yeah I mean absolutely rebuilding on the fly the way they did but I don't give tons of credit to the Clippers or the Lakers because those things were done primarily without um the 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 genius of the general manager of the front office yeah Especially the Clippers, right? Kawhi wasn't coming until Paul George signed up. Those are forced hand moves. And I mean, Presti is is the one, like you said, I mean, that even makes the case better for Presti is because Mm -hmm. he knew Paul George wanted out and he still got a great deal out of it Mm -hmm. and, and, and worked it that way. So, yeah, I mean, the Clippers and the Lakers, what they did primarily was just say we're the Clippers and the Lakers and get people to show up. And so, I don't, I mean, to me, giving them a ton of credit for it is like, why? No, I mean, Miami like, did a better job. You give Pat Riley more credit for getting Miami turned around. I agree. I agree. Than I would ever give anybody in LA for this year. Yeah, no, and he deserves credit too. Miami is also another uh, solid option. But like, I mean, to make the comparison to a metaphor, like we've talked about before, just because you get the press release first doesn't make you a better reporter. You know, like <laughs> those guys had that advantage of location and and glamour, and that's where the star player wanted to go, not necessarily because that team because of that team, but because of the destination. So, I mean, I agree 100% with what you're saying. That's one of the – I mean, I'm always going to uh, default to smaller market teams because that's just how I am. I like the under and I like the small markets. So, but, you know, I agree 100% what you said about LA. All right, let's push on. Uh, we've got one more topic, and then we'll get out of here, and that is Drew Holiday for a third consecutive all-defensive team. Uh, the Low Post had a great conversation about this. I think he was talking to Dave McMenamin. Uh, whoever he was talking to was out on Drew, although he was considered. Uh, but Zach Lowe had him on a second team. Uh, he ranks in the 99th percentile uh, in terms of who he's defending, all NBA-type players, uh, all-stars. In terms of deflections, in terms of steals, he grades as an A in the 90th percentile or better. Uh, rim deterrence, he grades in the 95th percentile. Uh, some of his numbers in terms of defensive real plus minus are going to be skewed for reasons I said. You know, he's going to he's gonna guard LeBron James. He's going to guard Giannis. He's going to guard Paul George. He's going to take on those assignments every night. So those are going to skew his numbers. But we'll start with Ali. Why is he a lock for an all-defensive team? For a lot of the reasons you've mentioned that he is a lockdown defender, our eyes show or tell us that every night we watch the guy um, and, well, do the numbers. And look, he's got a pedigree going, and I feel like that's important to where the numbers may sometimes have an off year. And, you know, I haven't seen that with Drew just watching him. I feel like he, he's playing as well as he ever has. And if you think back to how many games he just won with his defense in the last year, the Pelicans made the playoffs, right? I mean, locking up Lou Williams, and I forget who else, down a stretch of some important games, Paul George. But his defense is always on point. He's always bringing that effort. And I, I dare you to find better defenders at his position that can guard like one through three, maybe even one through four consistently enough. Look, a lot of people pick DeJounte Murray. He, he's not even on the radar because he, he kind of had a down year a little bit. He wasn't even playing as many minutes as people thought, right, under Pop once he did come back. Um, Marcus Smart's always going to be there. But outside of Marcus Smart and Beverly, I can't think of a, a better guard than Drew Holiday. Uh, ben? Sorry, go ahead. And I would say that, again, if we're equating everything, it's the responsibilities, too, on the other end. 
Yes. And, and that to me matters because you are expending energy. You don't get to just be one sided. And when they do that defensively, when they take guys who are just defenders, to me, I think that's a problem because those guys get hidden more and they mm-hmm. don't necessarily guard up and down the lineup. They are given one person to guard and they stick there. Drew guards four people in the same night, four positions in the same night. And I think that versatility has to mean something. And I think guards get discredited in this too much because, again, we haven't seen a, a, a lead guard win the award since Gary Payton. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so there's certainly a prejudice against guards. But Drew in this is thing, and I was a guy who had to come around on him as a total player too, but Drew does all of the things that you want from your lead, from a lead guard. He's not the best lead guard in the league, but combining his offense with his defense – there aren't many people who you would take above him in doing both of those things. Now, Kevin, according to an anonymous poll from coaches and assistant coaches who don't vote on the award, by the way, I think it's strictly media, but they selected Marcus Smart, Ben Simmons, Eric Bledsoe, and Patrick Beverly. Uh, who are you kicking off of those four players, Kevin? Definitely Bledsoe. I mean, yes. I like I like Bledsoe, but I mean, mm-hmm. he's... I've always had a soft spot for Bledsoe, but Drew Holiday is a special defender. You know, uh, I, you, I mean, if you pull players, if they just pulled players, you would see like he's one of the most. He's like one of the guys that. Um, am I still? Can you guys still hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, because I got a message that says that I'm ex- having difficulties on my thing, connection difficulties. Okay, sorry, but you hear players say all the time he's the the toughest guy that to go against you know and you see what he did to guys like Damian Lillard and all all the stars all the different positions you're talking to nobody has that versatility nobody has that grit that intelligence and that like he, he's a tireless defender that's the other thing is like he never wears down throughout the whole game and like you said he's also contributing on the offensive end so I mean I think it, it would be a joke if he's not on the all defensive team definitely if he's not sec- I mean if he's, I think he should be first team but if he's not uh, second team, then it's it's also a joke. I mean, he has to at least be one of the top two teams. I, there's really not another perimeter defender that I would put above him. All right, you guys, I got to get out here. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll start with David Grubb because I know you've got an article going live in the morning. Do you want to tell us again about uh, a bit about that? Yeah, it just uh, it it just takes a look at uh, what the Pelicans are going to adjustments they may have to make while Zion is out and then particularly just how they support Brandon Ingram um, and what the plans may be with him having to play more minutes at the four. Sweet. Uh, Mr. Ali Cosell, before you go to Ohio, are you working on anything? Yeah, I'm taking a look at lineups in case Zion can't play what Alvin should look to do. And I'm specifically going to look at what was successful between Pelicans finally getting off that 13 game losing streak to right before Zion came back. All right, Kevin, uh, I know you're playing nurse tonight, uh, but what's going on with you this week? Uh, that, that's it, really. I got a few days of do, taking care of this. She's going to be sort of knocked out for the next couple of days. Um, so I'm cooking and giving medicine. Uh, what you're making? All kind of stuff. I made her some salmon and some uh, mac and cheese earlier, uh, but I'll make her some more soups and stuff like that, too, and some smoothies, things like that. She has to eat kind of soft stuff. Um, but... Um, Chris and I started an article. I mean, it's going to be something that we spend a lot of time on, so it's not going to be out till after Orlando's over with, but we're taking our time, and it'll probably be broken up into parts, I would assume. Um, But, you know, slowly picking away at that when I get some time. 
All right, great stuff, you guys. Uh, now that I'm negative, I'm going to go uh, maskless and hit the town, hit up the clubs. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it does mean that my wife and baby can come home tomorrow, which is awesome. Maybe uh, she won't. Yeah, maybe she won't. Now, who knows? Being a bachelor has been kind of fun. I go to bed whenever I want. I wake up whenever I want. Uh, <laughs> watch whatever I want on TV. I'm just kidding. Uh, my baby just turned four months old uh, yesterday, by the way. So happy four months. Congrats. Old. Thanks. Yeah. This is you are doing the newborn dad thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that. Oh my god. One guy, Every- one time when I used to work at, in this, uh, I used to be a draftsman at this construction company, and one of the guys told me, "My little baby is six months years old today." <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Um, but thank you guys for listening. Um, and we appreciate all your support. Please retweet, uh, subscribe. And also if you've subscribed to ours and rated ours, please go to harden the paint. You can find that on iTunes, Spotify, make sure you do the same over there, uh, and give them a little comment. Every little bit helps you guys. Uh, so we appreciate that, that extra effort. Uh, but for now, thanks for listening. Let's dance and let's go Pels. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today black lives matter and we're continuing to do our part here at the bird calls that's why we've created the armchair all-american scholarship thanks to contributions from armchair myself music is my refuge r anders 36 andrew juge ralph malbro and many more armchair media will be issuing four $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. The criteria is African-American, under 21, and in a creative field. To apply, send something you've created, whether photography, art, music, anything, to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. We can't wait to see your application.